Well, hello, and thank you for tuning in to Truth Set Free TV. I'm Vincent Rhodes, your host, and uh, I strive to get you a lot of information from Christian uh, sources. Today, we have a Christian doctor whose name is Dr. Richard Bartlett. Uh, he says that he has the silver bullet for actually curing the coronavirus. Uh, this is outstanding news uh, because it, does, it means that people will not have to go the traditional route and um, they can forget about vaccines, but we'll see how this uh, works out because this information is brand new and is coming out of Dallas, Texas. I hope that uh, it's uh, something that uh, can help you and uh, remember until next time that Jesus is the light of the world and the truth shall set you free. Our new friend, Dr. Richard Bartlett. Hello, sir. Debbie, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. I'm grateful you could be here, and I would love to just have you dive right in. Since I don't really know you, have you start with telling our listeners about your medical background. Well, I've been practicing in Texas for 28 years. Uh, when Governor Perry uh, started a new task force called the Health Disparities Task Force, he asked me to be on that task force. Oh. And the purpose was to give him advice so that all Texans can have access to quality health care. And that was a two-year appointment. After two years, he asked me, would you stay on one more year? And so that happened year after year for a total of seven years. And a lot of good things happened. But uh, I also uh, have been the medical expert for CBS affiliate in West Texas for over 20 years. And I do a regular weekly update on COVID on the Talk 50, 550 AM talk radio in West Texas. And we've been doing that since the beginning of this drama. Wow, okay. And so I'm also an author and do medical missions in other countries. And so I've seen a lot of disaster all over the world. But I wanna say, echo uh, everything that you said in your, in your first five minutes, I agree 100%. There is, we already have an answer for this. And to put things in perspective, uh, let's look around the world. Uh, you know, in the country of Taiwan, there's over 25 million people. They're stacked on top of each other. Uh, if they did social distancing, they'd be out in the ocean floating around. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough room for them to do social distancing. But guess how many people have died to date during the whole pandemic in Taiwan? Seven. As many people wow. as you can stack in a minivan going down Central Expressway. And so the next time your viewers see a minivan, think, oh, that's how many people have died in a country of 24 million people. That now I'm going to tell you, yes, and I'm going to tell you why that's the situation. It's the situation also in Japan, 121 million people in Japan. They've had less than a thousand people die during the whole pandemic. Singapore, only 12 people have died in the whole country during the whole pandemic. Iceland, well, that's not possible according to what we're being told in the mainstream media, but that's reality. Anyone can look it up. You can even look at the Johns Hopkins uh, COVID website and you'll see those numbers. They're hidden in there, but I'm pointing them out because the people in Texas, in Texas need to hear good news. In Dallas, they need to hear good news. And I have good news. I'm sure you do. Before, I, I, I'm blown away by those numbers. I, I gave up trying to write them down. But you're going to tell us somehow eventually where we get to this point that in these other countries... They're doing what I'm doing, rate. Debbie. Okay. They're doing What's what that? I'm doing, which is not hydroxychloroquine, although that works. And uh, so what they're doing is an inhaled steroid. And so my silver bullet is inhaled budesonide. Uh, the brand name originally was Pomacort, now it's generic. It's super cheap. It's about $200 for the total treatment if you pay cash. 
with insurance, many of my patients are not even having to pay for it. And you use a nebulizer machine. It's an asthma medicine. That's, it's a respiratory anti-inflammatory for COVID, which is a respiratory inflammatory disease. And it works. 100% of my patients are alive. I've been treating this since March. And uh, you, you use it for five minutes. So it takes five minutes to do a breathing treatment. You plug it in the machine, the machine in the wall. You put the medicine that's pre-mixed, pre-measured from the pharmacy into the little reservoir. You push the on button and you breathe it during five minutes you during the commercial. You just have a mask on your face and breathe You don't it. even have to have a mask. You can use a little mouthpiece that you hold in front of okay. you. And you breathe it for five minutes. And, uh, and I have, let me tell you what I've heard from patients when I started using this. They tell me, I feel better during the first treatment. And so their chest pain goes away. Their shortness of breath goes away. Their fever breaks. I'll give you an example. I have a patient who has two kinds of cancer. Mm -hmm. She calls me after five days of being flat on her back in, the in her house on in the bed, can't get out of bed. Fever won't break for five days. She says, I heard you on the radio and uh, would you please help me? It's on a Friday. She says, my granddaughter tested positive today and I, and I think I have it. And I said, I'm sure you do with all the symptoms you're describing. She is currently fighting two forms of lymphoma. Mm. She's on chemotherapy right now. She just had radiation a month before for the lymphoma. She should die according to what you hear from the CDC and World Health Organization. But uh, I gave her that treatment that night in the morning, her fever had broke. She had her first good night's sleep. Over the weekend, she recovers. On Monday, she works an eight-hour day. She still is fighting cancer, two forms of cancer, but she's cured of COVID. She's had, she's symptom-free. She has her two consecutive negative tests. That's a cure. Okay, can you say the name of the drug again? The Bu budesonide. Budesonide, and so is it done in an inhaler? It's an inhaler, and so it does actually come as an inhaler, but I'm using it in a nebulizer machine. You know, you see preschool pre kids use this. It's safe that it is so safe. It's been out for over 20 years. It's been used on two pound premature babies safely without batting an eye and the wow. fragile elderly in nursing homes for over 20 years. There's no reservations with it. It doesn't cause any cardiac uh, risk like uh, the, the accusation of hydroxychloroquine is a risk of heart trouble. Although that's ridiculous to make that accusation. This one doesn't even have that risk. And so I give that and an antibiotic to protect from secondary bacterial pneumonia. But let's talk about what COVID is. It's a respiratory virus that goes into the lungs, binds to ACE receptors in the lungs, and that triggers the release of inflammatory chemicals. And we call it a cytokine storm. That's a fancy word for inflammatory chemicals and enzymes that are released at total body. And so with COVID, we have a, a killer that's never been around before. It is killing some people if they're not treated. And so for 50% of the people, they get it and they don't even know they had it. 50% of the people don't yeah. even know. But for the 20% that are at risk, there are treatments. We already have an answer. Let me tell you, you're right. Taiwan, 24 million people, they don't need to wait for a vaccine. They don't have a problem that you should vaccinate 24 million people for. They only had seven die during the whole pandemic. We have some treatment plans and options that are already valid and working. Okay, I, this is truly, it is great news. As you said before you we went on, great, great news. So you've been using this since early March. Roughly speaking, how many patients do you think you've treated? Oh, uh, I'm getting calls every day. I've, I have new, five new patients today. And so I haven't even tallied the numbers. 
but every one of them is living, not dying. I'll give you another example. A lady who, an elderly lady who has a 50-year history of smoking, and she had her chest cracked and had four-vessel bypass surgery. She's on medicine for high blood pressure and thyroid disease. She calls me after five days of fever and shortness of breath and chest pain. She feels like she can barely get across the room. I start her on the treatment. With the first treatment, she tells me again something I've never heard with this medicine until COVID-19. She says, I feel better during the first treatment. And she's cured with two double negatives after, after the fact. She's so grateful. But sure. with this medicine that's been out for over 20 years, there's lots of research on it. It's safe. Big Pharma's not going to make a dime off it. Nobody's going to make any money. It's $200 for the total treatment versus the, in, the experimental antiviral that you have to be put in the hospital and then be a part of an experiment to get that costs over $3,100 just for the medicine. And you, then you pay for $15,000 at least to be in the hospital during that time, sure. unless you go to the ICU and then you'll get 30 or $40,000 bill on top of being sick. So this is the medication you prescribed before COVID ever came along you, for yes. other patients for yeah. asthma? For asthma prevention. You know, there's okay. 25 million people in America that, are, uh, that have asthma. And so this medicine is used routinely for over 20 years to prevent asthma attacks. It's, it's the first line preventive measure to protect people from having an asthma attack is an inhaled steroid. And so that's what they're doing in Japan. That's what they're doing in Taiwan. That's what they're doing in Singapore. So even healthy people over there. Yes, but with, with COVID, they're treating with inhaled steroids if they get if they get COVID. So, you know, for the 50% of the people who are gonna get it and never have symptoms, they don't need medicine. They certainly don't need a vaccine. But for the 20% that are at risk of death, if they don't get treated, we have an answer. And here's what we need to do, early treatment, early testing, early treatment. We need to detect it early. For every disease, Debbie, it, 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 America has the best healthcare system. And we do early detection and early treatment for cancer, for heart disease, for stroke, for all kinds of infections. But this is crazy that we're doing what communist China is doing and we're parroting that through the World Health Organization. Yep. And, and then the World Health Organization is praising what China did. And so yeah. Italy follows that follows suit. And look what Italy, over 30,000 people died in Italy so far versus seven in a country that people are stacked on top of each other, 24 million. And so I'm telling you, they came upon the same solution that I came upon independently. I started treating, treat, treating this in March and it works. Okay, I want to, one of the things, so I know you've used it before, which is great. So when you realized that COVID-19 was having such a disastrous thing in America, did you read someone else who advised you to no. try this? This was, you, you realized so this might work. I was in, in March, I was working a 48-hour shift in the emergency room. And I was distraught. Quite honestly, I was distraught. I'm a Christian. And so I was praying throughout that 48-hour shift. I'd see patient after patient. And I was thinking, God, what am I going to do if someone comes in here with COVID and they're dying? They're going to trust me to do the right thing for them. And I don't have an answer. President Trump mentioned hydroxychloroquine, and then that got shot down immediately. And so I was praying. I laid down for a cat nap between patients. I woke up convinced that God had given me a winning strategy. And you know what? A week later, I had to try it out on my first two patients. And for every patient, it's working. It's what Japan has stumbled on and what ta Taiwan has stumbled on, an inhaled steroid. They're using a different one than I'm using. The one I'm using, I think, is better 
inhaled budesonide with a nebulizer treatment. I'm also giving an antibiotic that'll cover walking pneumonia and other pneumonias called uh, clarithromycin. And I also give zinc because that interferes with virus multiplication. But the silver bullet is inhaled steroids. And the reason I use inhaled instead of IV mm -hmm. is because if you give an, a steroid IV or as a shot in the muscle that goes total body through the bloodstream or as pills that goes total body, you're turning every time, you're turning down the immune system, the ability to fight infection. Every time you're dialing yeah. down the ability to heal. But if you use it as a targeted source, it's like my, one of my sons is a firefighter. If you, mm. if you target, uh, they, they, sh they shoot the fire extinguisher at the source of the fire, at the base of the fire, and all the flames go out. This is like targeting the source of the infl inflammatory chemicals at the source and all the fiery flames of inflammation are put out at the source with a nebulizer treatment. The reason I'm using a nebulizer is if you use an inhaler, 90% of the medicine never gets to where you need it. Research shows that. Okay. But a nebulizer works. Okay, so I'm thrilled. This is a fabulous, fabulous news. So what is the reason, first of all, you're aware of this, I know, that, that there's great pushing in this country. It seems to just hold off, stay home, wait for the vaccine. When you discover something like this, what do you do as a doctor when you've discovered any time a new treatment? How do you let other doctors know? How do you let the government know? Debbie, I'm doing everything I can. That's why I stayed here uh, an extra day so I could be on the news with you. So we can let the good people of Dallas know that we have solutions to this problem already. And uh, last Friday, I got a call from uh, Ted Cruz's office. Uh, he's heard about it. Okay, so he reached good. out to me. And so his chief of staff and another member called me and we had a 30 minute call. Uh, I've written a paper about this. Uh, we cite 51 articles uh, that are tried and true from uh, established journals, well, well uh, recognized journals supporting what we're doing. And so we have sent that unpublished paper to Senator Cruz's office already. So he's responsible for the information he has now, and now everybody knows he has it. Yes, but, they do. <laughs> but also, uh, I expect next week, I understand that President Trump will also have my unpublished paper. We're of course gonna publish it, but why wait six months till it gets published? Let me tell you something else, Debbie. This inhaled budesonide against COVID is currently being studied by the NIH now. Their study, will be, next their study will be out in October. They somehow, uh, I don't know if they heard what I was doing, but their study will be over in October. But it's set up for failure at the start. And let me tell you how. Early, de early detection and early treatment. That's common sense. That's the American healthcare system. Sure. What we're getting is what communist China has forced on the whole world. Don't wait until you're a breath away from death. Wait till the house is burned two thirds down and then seek help. This is what NIH is doing, you're saying? This is what the CDC is telling us to do and every authority is telling us, don't seek help unless you got, if you got mild to moderate symptoms, wait till you have severe, severe symptoms. I'm getting calls from people who go to the ER because they feel bad and they're sent home with a positive test saying, take Tylenol and tough it out at home. That is the standard of care that's being put out. That's a, that's a terrible plan for any healthcare problem, especially one that can kill you. And for 20% of the people, this is a killer. And we don't know who that 20% is, but if they have symptoms, we have something we can do about it. So the NIH is studying it. Let me tell you who else is. The country of France, which has lost over 30,000 people to this. Yeah. And Spain has said that they're going to study inhaled budesonide 
against COVID-19. They haven't set their start date yet. And last week, the University of Oxford announced that they're gonna study inhaled budesonide against COVID. Whether they set the study up for failure, like, the, uh, like I feel like the NIH has done, where they're gonna wait until someone, the criteria by the NIH is you have to have pneumonia and be in the ICU and be on a ventilator before they'll even give you this. Okay, I, I wanna jump in. So this treatment you're describing, when you, NIH is somewhere aware that you've been using it and have had success with patients and that you're ascribing the same success in these other countries you've mentioned. So why would the NIH recognize what you're claiming? Why would they test it by waiting till someone who's severely ill in the hospital? What, what is the reason not to test it in the way that you have been, which is early on first symptoms? Why are we doing anything that we're doing right now, Debbie? That's not a good uh, I'm, I'm just saying uh, what, what they did in Italy was social distancing, wear a mask, shut down everything. How did that work? Let's talk about what works, which is what I'm doing, which is what they're doing in Japan and Singapore and Taiwan. And that's uh, early detection. It's good that we're doing mass testing now. I'm telling you at the ER that I am associated with, they're doing testing now. They didn't have the ability to do the testing in March. We couldn't. We were try, scrambling to try to find where we could even send people to get tested yeah. in March. The reason the numbers are going up is that we're having a uh, hundred times the amount of tests being done right now. And that's a good thing. It's I mean, a good thing. Yeah. That's what they're doing in those countries. The early detection. Hey, we do that with. We don't wait. I've actually done uh, biopsies on people who had abnormal mammograms, and during the biopsy, I've removed the whole cancer and the person was cured with early detection. Early, de we don't mm -hmm. say, wait till you got stage four cancer and right. then seek help. We don't do that with any other disease. I don't know why this is being forced on us, but it's un-American. And as far as our American- It's cruel to people. People are dying. That's yes, pretty cool. That's and, and beyond that, it's crazy right now that if you get COVID, you get put in the hospital, your family can't be there to be your advocate. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've, as a doctor, have had loved ones in the hospital and they hang something. My daughter was pregnant. They hang something. I say, what are you giving her? It's half in her already. And they tell me, and I said, that's not for her. And it's for the room next door. You oh don't have gosh. an advocate in the room with you. Here, Dr. Bartlett. Well, I'm telling you the truth. A <laughs> yeah. family member in the room is an advocate that you are yeah. not allowed to have right now. And if you'll look at what's going on right now, if we wanted to go with science, a scientific fact by definition is observable and reproducible. Yeah. And so when I started hearing people say, I feel better with inhaled budesonide, that was something that I'd never heard before. I observed it and it's reproducible. But the decisions that are made that are being forced on us, uh, for 20 years, we'd see there's an epidemic in China and we'd see them walking B-roll rolling with people walking the streets with masks. Uh, it wasn't working for them then. I don't know why it's being forced on the whole world now, that kind of thinking, something that's working in Japan and Singapore and is working with my patients. Uh, we should be focused on science and facts instead of uh, uh, fear. There's some sort of manipulation toward encouraging America to just wait it out for a vaccine. I don't know if it's the pharmaceutical companies, if it's individuals in power invested in the pharmaceutical companies, but who would be you, telling Americans we'd rather you die because we want you to wait for a vaccine? It seems like people are willing to sacrifice others for an agenda. It seems that way to me because yes. we have some solutions already that are working. There's a, there's a track record of success by many doctors in Texas. Um, and Texas is standing out compared to other, other states, if you look, as far as the survival rate. But um, 
you know, I, I think there is a lot of political uh, motivation behind the decisions that are being made right now. Okay, well, I, I do too, and I'm, I'm deeply troubled by them because I do, well, you don't have to agree with my assessment, but I'll tell you where my concern is. I think that in the first five today, I talked about the headlines and that, you know, panic porn. I think there's a great agenda on the part of some in this country and many in the media that want to keep the economy damaged because of the results of the coronavirus, want to keep Americans afraid in their homes. All of that works against the re-election of President Trump. Be afraid, be very afraid because there's a pandemic. Oh, by the way, Debbie, we had a pandemic in 2009. It was the H1N1. And you know what? The flu strain the is said the, And you know what? The flu strain that's going around right now is H1N1. Our patients that have the flu are having H1N1. We're not focused on that at all. It's not as big a deal as they thought it was. But you know what? I just saw an article that Anthony Fauci is warning us that we might have a new pandemic coming of H1N1 from China. It's already here. That's the strain that's already here. A lot of things that are being spoken, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of things that are being blown out of proportion. And we have good news today. I'm here to tell you this the good great news. news. I know, it's really news. Yes, look at those countries, look at my results. Uh, I believe Dr. Lozano is uh, doing the right thing as well. And yet, it's just like we met this wall of opposition from the, the media and, frankly, the pharmacy companies are holding out hope for a vaccine. Well, you know, they, they say that there was a concern about a shortage of, hydro of uh, hydroxychloroquine. Let me tell you, budesonide inhaled steroid that's super cheap and readily available, pre-mixed, pre-measured, nobody's going to make any money off of it, is at every pharmacy there is an abundance of it. There will never be a shortage. And so that accusation is, will not be valid. Can't chip you up that way. No. Okay. <laughs> but, but they could do a study and set it up for failure and, and announce it in October. Yeah. Th that is truly astonishing. It would be set up in a way that they're going to use it after people are already so sick that obviously that reduces. They would, not good medicine. Assuming. No, not good medicine. So what is your sense about if you do what you're describing, early testing and, and, and all that, what is your sense about the importance of masks, the, val the everyday use of masks? You know, I'm going to pivot off of that because that's what they did in Italy in over 30,000 deaths. That's what they did in France, over 30,000 deaths. That's what they did in Spain, 30,000 deaths. In, in New York, parroted that, 30,000 deaths. Let's go with a winning strategy of early detection and early treatment with a winning strategy of a successful treatment. And that's what we have. We have an effective treatment that's cost-effective, readily available at every pharmacy. And so there are several ways to treat this. There's several ways to treat the flu. You know, if, you, if I told you the reason we're going to shut down the country, shut, shut down, uh, hairdressers will not be able to have their salons open, we're going to shut down everybody's uh, uh, business. Non-essential business. Non-essential yeah. business, and we're going to start doing this craziness. Uh, because tens of thousands are dying from a respiratory viral illness that's very contagious. Oh, that's the flu. Over 80,000 a year die from the flu, but we've never worn masks to protect people before. We've never insisted on that to save American lives. We have something that works. You know, if you look on the internet, you'll see in Japan, they're still crawling all over each other at sushi bars, uh, acting yeah. normal. And they, they have less than 1,000 that have died over 21, 121 million people. This social distancing thing is not what is uh, saving them. That was my next question on social distancing because there have been many people challenging masks and social distancing really from a political perspective of feeling there's just too much control coming out of the government based on a health problem and you know and with penalties actual penalties for business owners and, and personal uh, people's lives and, and the whole surrender of our economy the people losing businesses 
And you just, I mean, it seems like those things should have been decided, uh, doctors giving advice and people getting to decide themselves, but there's been a mandatory feel about this that's alarming people. Yeah, you ha when you have the government saying, I know more about what's good for your health than your doctor who yeah. knows you and your family, that's socialism, that's communism. Yes. And that's what we've seen not be a good idea in China. We were all in horror watching the apocalypse happen in China. People were dropping in the streets. Everybody yeah. saw that. And then we saw it, uh, the wave spread across Italy, to France, to Spain, and then to our country. And you know, the strategy they were using is the same strategy they're still recommending and, and now fining people possibly for not wearing yeah. a mask and social distancing. That strategy didn't work in any of those places, but we have some winning strategies that are working in other parts of the world. And that I'm also, uh, that's now being studied and about to be studied by the University of Oxford and the country of Spain. We should go with the winning strategies. I'm in favor of the winning strategy. I also wish, well, I'm glad that you were able to come today and talk about all this. I really wish for more of a, um, uh, I don't know, national broadcasting system. It seems like doctors around the country, if you had more and more doctors doing what you're doing, you would end up where pe people just would be less alarmed. Fewer people would be worried. More doctors would be doing what you're doing. The numbers would have to dissipate in terms of death rates and hospitalization rates. And, and that that just seems like the most obvious thing. So I, I know you said you went to, you're, you're hoping to see, have President Trump see this. Taking a Ted Cruz, I love that he knows about US it. U.S. Representative Babin. My phone's been blowing up with a few phone calls. Oh, I had good. U.S. Representative Babin who's been calling and texting me regularly from Texas. And uh, I got a call the other day. I went to Texas Tech and uh, at Texas Tech, I went to the undergraduate, got my degree in medical technology in the first class of medical oh. technology there where we grow viruses and bacteria and we study that and we do the re testing. And then I went to medical school there. And so, and then I did my surgery residency there. So I'm a Texas Tecker. So my phone blows up and a guy calls me and, and he says, this is Kent Hans. Wow, he was the oh, chancellor of Texas yeah. Tech. And he's, and I'm stuttering and, and fumbling <laughs> to talk to him. I can't believe he's, can I call you Richard? Yes, sir. And so he knows about this treatment. So I'm letting you know who knows about this and we'll see what happens with it. But Kent Hans knows, Representative Babin knows, Ted Cruz has a, a paper. I believe it'll get to President Trump. I know there's a star Parker who uh, is with the White House and she has my information. So we'll see who does something with this. Okay, star Parker of Cure of the Center for Urban? No. Star Parker with the government uh, has okay. a connection with uh, the okay, administration. Well, she was on my show on Tuesday. That's kind of funny. Okay, Interesting. Well, anyway. Yes, okay. So let me ask you this. So if what you're describing were to be nationally adopted, so we had testing, we Our had- Our country would be wide open again. Well, the other question is, would there be a need for a vaccine then? No. And is there a, vac is there a need for a vaccine right now with the same pandemic in Taiwan and Japan and Singapore and Iceland? Iceland's only had 10 die during this whole pandemic. That's a big, you know, okay, seven in Taiwan. That's a minivan going down Central Expressway. When you see a minivan, everybody that's died in a country of over 24 million, they don't and, need- And closely, a densely packed country. Right, and so let, let's talk about the vaccine for a second, Debbie. Yeah. This is information people need to know. This is a rapidly mutating virus. In Iceland, they broke it down, the DNA of the virus, and they found 243 mutations already. And that was in right. April. But it's all right, we have an answer for it. There's several ways to treat this. I'm not scared of COVID anymore.
Nobody else should be scared of COVID I either. I would not either. Go ahead. Uh, you should not be scared of COVID anymore. I'm telling you, don't be scared of COVID. It's a, there are some ways to treat it. If your doctor won't treat you, find another doctor. But we're in America, and uh, you're, there is a solution. There's several solutions for this. I'm, I'm talking about one of them. Rapidly mutating virus. A vaccine's not going to be the solution. This is a, a coronavirus. It, it goes around every year, the common cold. We get flu vaccines every year, and it, at best, it covers 40%. And, and so that's not a 100% success rate, and you have to get it every year. If they're going to make this vaccine, it's not going to be a one-time shot that, was my that last will cure question. you. And yes. by the way, the people like Anthony Fauci and Burks who brag that they've been working on a vaccine for AIDS for 40 years, and they have not been successful because right. it's a rapidly mutating virus parallel to what we have now. So misinformation is out there being sent to doctors right now that we're not worried about a vaccine being made because this isn't changing much. The fact is uh, that they're not gonna get, unless they do some research, 243 mutations in a study in Iceland already. And so you're not gonna be able to get a handle on this and make a safe, effective vaccine. Let's talk about vaccines in general, Debbie. It, when, they made the, when they had the race for the polio vaccine, yeah. Polio, an American story, is a book that's out in 2005. The author was our keynote speaker for the Texas Medical Association, mm. and he explained that thousands died from the vaccine, yeah. and tens of thousands were paralyzed or debilitated from the vaccine. Yep. We don't want to speed at warp speed towards a vaccine and force it on the American people when we don't, first of all, don't need it, and we, secondly, we need to make sure we don't miss any of the steps that prove that it's safe. Yeah, the side effects. So I want to make clear one particular point. 243 mutations of this means that... In Iceland. That, yeah, in Iceland. It's so changing. It, it's changing. Trying to get a handle on it and make a vaccine. Say, say the vaccine being looked at right now, they're trying to develop now, even if they made it, it was perfectly effective as to the current COVID-19 problem, would not it necessarily not be effective for now. all of the rest of the it, mutations. It, it may, Is that it, correct? Yes. And the okay. beautiful thing about the treatment that I'm using is it no matter how many times it mutates, it's universally going to work because yes. it decreases the uh, inflammation. It's a respiratory anti-inflammatory solution for a respiratory inflammatory problem. And I've had people go through many adventures. Each person's COVID story is different. But thank you, Jesus, all of them have lived. None of them have died. And uh, I am uh, ecstatic. I would think that any uh, American Everyone person be would be exci <laughs> yes. excited about it. Yeah. Dr. Richard Bartlett, this is a fabulous, uh, first of all, I'm so glad we connected, an uh, interesting kind of at, at a political meeting, but I'm so glad we connected, so glad you can come in. I love all the information you shared. If people want to, is there a place they can read right now more about what you're doing? Is there something they can go to or they have to wait for your paper? Or? Ha have them contact you and I'll send you a copy of my own published paper with all the references. That and you'll have, you will have what President Trump will have in his hand next week. You oh, will have what Senator Cruz has in his hand. Uh, whether he reads it or not and what he does with it is up to him. But you're going to have what he has, and it's working. And if you want to get that, email me at americakimmytalk at gmail.com. americakimmytalk at gmail.com. I will happily forward the paper once I receive it from Dr. Richard Bartlett. Sir, thank you so much for coming in. This is fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. It's a good day to be in Texas. It is a good day to be in Texas. So I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a guest joining us. This is kind of a funny thing. I'll just tell you a true story. So last night, there was a political event. I moderated a panel that was speaking at a political event.